All right. So, how many of you had uh, parents that considered not letting you? I got parents. Uh, how many of you had uh, parents that considered not letting you come because of uh, like bugs and viruses? Anybody going to own up to that? Mom's like, hey, maybe you shouldn't go to Greenhouse tonight because all the sick people. Yeah. Your wife said that. My wife said that too. My wife ain't here. Um, just being honest. Because uh, you people are gross. How many people threw up in the last seven days? Show of hands. We got a few. You got a few throw uppers in the last seven days. Stay away from the rest of us, you sicko. Um, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough week. Um, both, of my, both of my babies have uh, had stomach bugs. I had some kind of weird fever bug for 24 hours and slept a lot. Uh, my uh, long-suffering wife has not gotten sick yet, but she has cared for all three of us diligently. Um, so, man, thank God for her, because uh, she's way better at that than me. Um, anyway, so I, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I, I, I know that there's a lot of other things that could have taken you out of this place, or you could have chosen to be other places, so I'm glad you're here tonight. Um, I know you're at a point of a semester where there's some kind of like mid-semester assignments and projects and stuff coming. I know a lot of you probably came a little stressed out. Um, so just for a minute, uh, I, I hope that you can help focus your mind and, and focus your heart on, on God's Word for, you, for, for us tonight. Um, uh, today's been a day that I've been very, very distracted, and I think the enemy's used as many things as possible to get between me and our time together um, and my time in God's Word today. Uh, and so my prayer all day has been about focus. Um, so I've been praying for focus for myself. I've been asking people to pray for focus for myself. And we've all been praying for focus for you too. So that's what we're shooting for. So if you got your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 tonight. So go ahead and be turning there. In the meantime, in the meantime, uh, if you could, while you're flipping with one hand or scrolling with one hand or whatever, if you, if you can drive, if you have your actual license, not a permit, can you just put a hand in the air, show me where you're at? You can, you can drive a vehicle. So that entire wall and most of that wall and some of you people, not you guys. It's coming. One day. One day. You're going to get there. It's going to change your life. You're going to feel like you never lived before that moment. I know I didn't. Um, okay, so are those, are those people who have their license and have driven. How many of you have driven in like severe weather? You've driven in severe weather. Okay. I hate doing that. Like, I hate it. I've driven like when a tornado was in Tuscaloosa. Tornado has Tuscaloosa. Uh, tornado has Tuscaloosas. That's kind of that's about how it works, I guess. Tuscaloosa has tornadoes like every five minutes. I don't know what their deal is over there, but um, I, I've driven through a tornado in Tuscaloosa twice um, at different times. been on the road and there's like tornadoes like barreling down inter- Highway 59. It's just part of life in Tuscaloosa. I've been in rain uh, so thick, I couldn't, I couldn't see past the front of my car. I mean, if you've been in that, you've been on the interstate, you know, and everybody's going like five miles an hour with their flashers on, like the flashers help. This makes all of us blind together. It's like a flipping strobe light of red in front of you, right? Hate it when people do that. Been in that, I hate it. But the, the thing I, I dread most, driving in inclement weather, I dread, I hate driving in fog. How many of y'all have ever driven in like crazy, crazy thick fog? Like you can't see three feet in front of your car. Man, that, that freaks me out, dude. Where I, I look out the side of the car and I can't see the ground. That's scary, man. I, I, I just want to like get out and walk or something. Um, I'm so scared, not just that I'm going to run off in a ditch because for some reason we live in a place surrounded by ditches. I don't know why we have so many ditches around Monrovia. Lots of ditches here. Um, but, but I'm also afraid of like all the other crazies that may not be as cautious as I'm being. They're just going to plow right into me, right? 
you've ever been in this or been in the car when your parents are driving in crazy thick fog, you got your headlights on like always. The headlights are functioning. They're shining. They're shining bright. They're trying to do their thing, right? Um, but it's not going anywhere, right? It just, it just hits the fog right in front of your vehicle, and it kind of like reflects and refracts. I don't know the difference. It does one of those two things all up in front of you, and so it's just this big orb of glowing shininess, right? And then nothing's past it. You got the orb of shiny brightness like two feet in front of your headlights, and you can't see anything beyond that. The lights are working. It's just not going anywhere. You got the fog light button. If you got one of the cars with the fog lights, you flip the fog light button on like that's going to help. Hey, it's foggy. I should turn the fog light button on. That doesn't help. All that does is make more fog down closer to the ground, bright and shiny. You just can't see the ground anymore. I, I just, I, it's, it's scary. You can't see because this, the lights are, their lights are trying to do their work. They're trying to penetrate the darkness. They're trying to go out and help you in some kind of way and have an impact out there. But there's something between you and the road that's preventing that light from going anywhere. And it can't cut through it. It can't get past it. It just stops right there in front of your vehicle and nothing happens. You're in a mess. Sometimes as Christians, I think that we find ourselves in a situation where we have this light inside of us. We have this light of of God in our life. We have trusted Christ as our Savior and Lord. He's made us new and he's put this incredible hope and this passion and this freedom and this forgiveness inside of us. He's made us new. And there's a light inside of us that we know is there. But it doesn't seem to have much of an impact. It doesn't seem to get very far out of us. For a lot of you, when you think about the impact that God's had outside of your life, the way he's used you to accomplish, the way that light has gone out from you, and you can't really think of much. I think for a lot of us, there's something that stands between that light that's inside of us and the people around us. There's something in between that's preventing that light from going anywhere and accomplishing anything. And if we're going to have impact, if we're going to be people that change things and see God change things through us, then we've got to deal with that thing that's in between us and them. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, we're going to look at a passage tonight that is going to challenge you, that's going to point out some areas in your life as it has in mind this week where there's, there's some stuff in your world, there's some stuff in your life that doesn't need to be there. This passage is going to challenge you to stop some things. So my hope for you tonight is that you would be bold enough to accept that. That if God speaks to your heart through his word tonight and challenges you to change some things, to stop some things, that you would be bold enough and obedient enough to do what he calls you to do tonight. That's my hope for you. Let's read the whole passage. We're going to take it apart. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill just can't be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. This is a passage um, that a lot of you are probably familiar with, that you've heard a lot, and it's like talks about, we talk about it kind of a good bit. Um, But this is one of the ones where Jesus is speaking an analogy. He's speaking um, indirectly. He's kind of cloaking what he's saying a little bit. He's putting some story behind it. And I think when Jesus does that, um, we fail a lot of times to put in the hard work of trying to figure out what he actually means. So we're like, okay, yeah, city on a hill can't be hidden. I got it. And we don't really think about what that, how that applies. We don't dig into God's word. We just kind of gloss over it and go to the next part that's easier to apply. When we look at God's word, students, this has nothing to do with our message. This is just for free. When we look at God's word, if, if we don't come to a point of figuring out how to apply it, we're not done yet. When you look at a passage and you're saying, hey, I don't, I don't really know what that one means. It sounds cool, but I don't really know what to do about it. And you move on. You've done God's word injustice. 
We have to figure out how this applies. What does the city on a hill have anything to do with you? All right, that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to help you do. All right, so it begins with this. It says, you are the light of the world. That you there is plural. So that can be translated as we. So Jesus is talking to his followers. This is on the Sermon on the Mount. There's a whole bunch of people standing down there down the hillside in front of him. He's speaking to them as a part of that passage. And he says, you guys are the light of the world. You collectively are the light of the world. And so we're, we're evolved that. We're, 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 if you're a Christian in the room, you're a follower of Jesus. You're disciples. You're included in that you. So you, along with the people he's speaking to at this point, and every Christian in between, are intended to be a light to the world. Not, literally, not, not figuratively, but, but literally, you're supposed to be a light to the world. Our job, students, what we've been talking about the last three weeks, our job is to, be, is to illuminate darkness around us. Not like in a happy sense or something. Like we're supposed to be like sprinkling like happy, happy sparkles or something all over the place. That's not our job. Our job is to illuminate, to shine into the spiritual darkness that surrounds you. You know it's there, man. Every time you walk through the halls of your school, you sense that spiritual darkness in the people that are around you. You know that there's, there's people that you come in contact with that don't have that hope and that freedom and that passion and that joy, that renewal that's been in, placed inside of your heart by Jesus Christ. They don't have that. If you came in this room tonight and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, I, I think if you were being real honest with yourself, one of those real introspective, honest conversations in the back of your mind somewhere, you'd, you'd have to say that there's something missing in your life, that there's a darkness that kind of rests in there, that there just seems like there's something missing, that, that surely that my little day-to-day whatever I do is not all of that my existence is meant for. There's something in there that twinges and tells you that there's something missing in there. We found the answer to that. It's Jesus. And he's put a light inside of us that we would love for you to get to experience. And our job as Christians is to, is to take the light that we have and, and let other people see that. Let it see the, the impact that Christ has had on our lives. And that should shine out. People should see what Jesus has done in our lives. They should see what he's done to the, and be so impressed by that. They should want to understand what's happened to you, what's happened to me. Our job is to eliminate, uh, well, I guess that's true, it's to, but it's to illuminate the spiritual darkness that's around us. That's our job. It's every one of our jobs. Like nobody's, if you're a Christian, you're not, you can't be excluded from this. We've talked in the last few weeks about that. Specifically, we've talked about that our job is to share our story, to tell people what God's done in our life, to actually like tell the story of what Jesus has done. We've also talked about how that we're supposed to be working to explain the message of Jesus clearly and completely. Last week, I challenged you to, to spend some time trying to figure out how do I explain the gospel end to end, to practice it, to, to make it make some sense so you're not doing that thing where that dude tried to do that backflip, remember that whole thing, right? Did you practice? Did you write anything down? You, come on now. I'm not just up here like saying words for nothing. Like, I literally want you to practice and figure out ways to share the gospel clearly and completely. They've talked about how it's our job. They've talked about strategies to do that. And today we're going to talk about what prevents us from being effective at it. We were supposed to be the light of the world. He goes on, he says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That's kind of obvious, right? If there's a city and it's on a hillside, then it's very difficult for you to like obscure it, right? We don't, have any, uh, we don't have any hills in our, we have like Montesano, which I guess is a hill, and there's nothing really up there. It's just like a big rock, right? That doesn't really count. Um, so we don't really have a lot of hills around here. We're not like mountain people or anything. We live on a bunch of farmland, right? But we do have a rocket. We love our rocket. 
People, dude, people, people in Huntsville are excited about their rocket. People for hundreds of miles around here know that Huntsville has a rocket. They don't know nothing else. I was, I went to, uh, we did our, our trip to Italy. I would mention to people in Italy, like where we were from, like I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. They're like, oh yeah, the rocket. How do you know there's a rocket in Huntsville, Alabama? I'm like, oh, I don't know, there's a rocket. I'm like, well, you're right. It's big, I guess, right? We got the lights on it, man. We, we love that thing. My two and a half year, Jack, Jack loves the rocket. If we're anywhere inside, we're at Bridge Street. He's like peeking around buildings trying to find the rocket, right? And he always declares that he saw it first. Even if I point at the thing on the, on, you know, we're driving down the, the 565 or whatever. I'm like, hey, buddy, there's a rocket. He's like, I saw it first. No, you didn't. You didn't see it first, you little liar. Like, he did, but he, I saw it first. He's enamored with a lot of the rocket, the rockets and stuff. We love that thing. When I first moved to Huntsville, you know what people told me about like navigating? This is literally what people, t- like two people told me this. If you get lost in Huntsville, buddy, just find the rocket. Figure out where you're at based off the rocket. And I was like, seriously? Then I got lost over in downtown. I was like, Which, where am I? And I'm like, hey, there's a the rocket. I'm just gonna go that way. I'll, if I get toward the rocket, I'll figure out where I'm at. And I did. I made it home off a rocket. We love our rocket. We got lights on it. We got, you can see it in the daytime. We can see it at nighttime. It's like our North Star. It's like thinking the star in Jesus and the Bethlehem thing. We got, we got the rocket. They got a star. We got, we got a rocket. We love that bad boy. It's very, very difficult to obscure like a whatever, that 200-foot-tall rocket smack in the middle of your town. It's just like this beacon smack in the middle of it, and you can't obscure it because we light it up. We, we shine stuff on it. It's all bright and pretty. It's very, very difficult to obscure a 200-foot rocket in the middle of your city. That's kind of the point here, that, that it, if you were to try to obscure a city on a hill, it'd be very, very hard. It's kind of hard to hide a 200-foot rocket. It's hard to hide a city on a hill, even if you try. What, is, what the point is here is that, that the, light, the light that's inside of you should be very, very difficult to obscure. It should be obvious. It should be, it should be visible to the people around you. It's not intended to be hidden. He goes on and says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. It gives you another analogy that, that light shouldn't be obscured, that it's intended to shine brightly. It's the light is intended to go out and illuminate darkness. It's not meant to be hidden. It's not meant to be covered up. So what exactly is it that, that does that? What exactly is it that obscures that light that's placed inside of us? What obscures that that light in you. It's your sin. The thing that, that obscures, the thing that tries to cover up and hide your light, the light of Christ in your life, is your sin. It has this way of shielding and dulling the impact of our faith. So what people end up seeing, they end up seeing our sin. They, they don't end up seeing our faith. This is, this is how it works. We have, we have, our, we, we have this light that's, that's placed in us, that, that when we've put, put our hope and trust and faith in Jesus, that he's made us new. We've been, we've been and the Bible says that we've, we've been made new creations. That the old is gone, that the new has come. It says that literally Christ is the light of the world and that, that the spirit of Christ dwells within us. There's an incredible light that can penetrate darkness, spiritual darkness around you. And what we do instead of allowing that to go out, allowing its work to be done, it starts getting hidden. It starts getting obscured by sin in our life. So as, as we become, as we, after we become Christians, things sometimes start to go wrong and and layers and layers of sin start kind of 
winding up on us. Behaviors start kind of showing up in our lives that we didn't really intend to be there. We start kind of seeing some patterns, especially as we get a little bit older in high school. Um, maybe we get in, kind of hanging out with some people that we didn't used to hang out with, and we add some behaviors to the list of things we're not real proud of, but all of our friends are doing it, so we kind of continue on. We start hiding stuff from our parents. We start maybe going to some parties that we always said we wouldn't. And the light that is supposed to be shining brightly starts growing dimmer and dimmer. The people around us stop seeing the light. They stop seeing the excitement that we could have about our faith. And instead, things start to grow kind of dim. Whereas before, we were shining brightly and, and people around could, could see a difference, could see the love of Jesus shining out of us, they could see the impact that he had made on us. Instead, eventually, all they see is a person that looks exactly like them. The person whose, whose light has literally nearly been extinguished. And maybe there's a little bit of a glow left, but by and large, we look exactly like everyone else. We're just as dark as they are. Yeah, there's a light in there somewhere, and maybe it glimmers out every once in a while, but by and large, we've become people of darkness again, at least in appearance. This, students, this is what a hypocrite looks like. This is what the world refers to, and they say that Christians are hypocritical people, people that, that confess one thing, that say they believe something, but in reality, they live exactly like everyone else. This is what a hypocrite looks like. Matthew 5.15 says that people, put a, uh, people light a lamp and put it, don't put a light and put it under a basket, but instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to all the people of the house. For I think so many of us, the sin in our lives, the patterns of sin in our lives have obscured the light of Christ. And we wonder why we don't see more of an impact, why we don't see God doing something, why people don't come up and ask us why we have this faith or something, why that never, ever, ever happens is because we don't look any different. Because when they look at us, they see those harsh words that we've said. They, they see those rumors that aren't really rumors, they're just true about you. They see the language that you use at school. They see your sin. They no longer see the light. If you could bring the lights back up for me. I remember being, uh, I remember being a 10th grader. I'm going to turn this off so we don't catch anything on fire. Um, yeah. Somebody caught something on fire. Um, <laughs> literally, that was what reminded me. I was like, we don't need that here. Um, I remember being in 10th grade, and uh, I, Jesus was like, had really gotten a hold of my life. My things for the first time had really started to click, and I was just falling more and more in love with Christ at a very rapid pace. And I, I kind of abandoned a lot of my old ways and was, was trying to follow Jesus as best I could. And I was spending time reading God's Word and just couldn't get enough out of it. I was just mining out truth. Um, I got a new set of friends who loved Jesus, and we were encouraging each other, and it was just a beautiful time. Um, but before that, uh, in 7th, 8th, and ninth grade, um, I, had, uh, I, just, I had an awful time with language. I mean, I, I, I just, um, I don't know how else to say it other than that, really. I, I just, I, I could not go up more than a couple of sentences without using some language I shouldn't have used. It was almost, I was, I, I used it so much, it was almost like a source of pride. It was like kind of my persona. Like I was that guy that would just like lash out at you and just cut you down. And I mean, I was almost a little proud of how good I was at using terrible language, which is a really weird thing to be proud of. 
but I kind of was, and, I, and I, 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 would, like, I would regularly lash out at people in these just like awful, just crazy twists of cursing and stuff. Um, and then, you know, you're a seventh grader, and that kind of becomes who you are, right? So for a lot of people in my school, that's kind of who I was. I was that guy that would just destroy you, um, and I didn't really know how to get rid of that. So I got it in 10th grade, and God started getting a hold of my life, and I was working really hard to change my language, along with a whole bunch of other stuff I was doing. And I was trying to be different, which if any of you have ever tried to stop or change the way your language works, it's very, very difficult. But I was, I was doing pretty good, and I was making some progress, right? And so I'm, I'm seeing some fruit. God's changing some stuff. The light's starting to shine a little bit now, and, and um, I'm trying to clear away some of this other mess. And I remember um, somebody asking me for the first time to, to speak in front of people out of God's word. And, and it was kind of in our, um, our version of first priority. And so the, the first priority person, they asked me if I, if I would like to, to share a little bit. And I, I said I would. And I was terrified, as most of you would be terrified. And, and so I prepared and I had this whole, whole deal. And, uh, and I also, I, some of the people in some of my classes, I, I invited them to come. And so I, some of my people that I'd kind of known but maybe weren't my best friends, but a lot of my best friends at that time were already going to First Priority. So I invited some other people to come. And I said, hey, um, I'm, I'm going to be speaking at First Priority on, on Tuesday morning. Um, I, I'd love it if you come. And some of those same people that I invited were those also the people that I had just blasted for years. And I just used this awful, awful language for years at them. And I'll never forget their faces. When I, when I came up and I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be speaking at First Priority on Tuesday, and I, I'd love it if you'd come listen. And there, the, this look of, like, shock and disgust is what I got from some people, kind of a lot of people. I quit inviting people to that. We just decided to stop doing that. Because really what they, were, what they were hearing was hypocritical, that, hey, aren't you the guy that's probably going to cuss me out, like, if I say the wrong thing to you, or that's you, and now you're going to go talk about Jesus on Tuesday morning. I'm, I'm not interested in that. They weren't. And they didn't come. I don't think I ever regained a lot of the ground that I lost 7th, 8th, ninth grade year. No matter how hard I tried, no matter how diligently I was about changing my language, I was going to be a hypocrite for those people. I'd extinguish that light. No matter how hard I tried, it was really difficult for me to get that, get that back. I put on display James 3.10, which says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. There's a whole lot of cursing had been coming out, and now there's trying to be a little bit of blessing, right? And he says, brothers, uh, these things ought not be so. That's so true of us. And not just about our language. Coming out of our lives, there should not be blessing and cursing, good and evil. Attitudes, behaviors that, that claim to, to lift up and proclaim the name of Jesus. And at the same time, we've got these other things that are intruding on that and overlapping that and obscuring that. But it's, it's just sin. Brothers and sisters, it ought not be so. Our lives are supposed to be living evidence of the grace of Jesus Christ. And for too many of us, the sin that we have allowed to eclipse, eclipse the light inside of us has all but blotted out our witness. That's tragic. He goes on, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. He gives us this word of challenge. He says, hey, it shouldn't be like this. You shouldn't hide this light that's been placed inside of you. It shouldn't look like this. It should just, just be like this. Just 
Let your light shine before men so they can see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Let it shine. It's a word of challenge to throw off all that sin and put it away and put your faith on display the way God intended it to be. I know that's, for some of you, that's, that's way more easier said than done. To just take the sin off and throw it on the ground and all you just shine bright now. But a lot of you are like me. And there's been so much sin resting on your life and the people around you know that version of you. And when it would come to seeing this version of you that was going to shine brightly again, they might not buy it. So here's what I would say to you. I'd say first, um, change now. That that's you and that there's been some history and that you've kind of tarnished your witness, that you've done some things that have uh, eclipsed the light inside of you. I'd say first, change now. I know it's difficult. I know it's scary. I know that some people are going to think that you're really, really weird. I know some of your friends may not accept you anymore, and honestly, I just really don't care. Change now. It's not going to get any easier next week. It's not going to get any easier when you finally go to college and you can, like, reinvent yourself or whatever. That's fake. That's not real. People should quit telling you that. Like, you, be you. Be the person that's inside of you. Be the person that God has created you to be. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles and run the race that's been set out for you. Be you. I know you guys. I get to know the best version of you. None of you come hang out with your student minister and bring the worst version of yourself. Nobody cusses at me, ever. You bring the best version of you, and I like you. I like every one of you. If I know you, I like you, except like that one kid. I'm not going to tell you which one of you it is. Just kidding. It's Rob. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) I don't even know where Rob is. I just hear that laugh. I love it. It's the best. Rob's the best. Anyway, um, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Rob's giggle always makes me lose my place. Change now. Change now. Don't wait. I know it's going to be weird. I know it's a big jump. Stop doing the stuff that's eclipsing the light inside of you. Change now. Do it tomorrow. Be different tomorrow. It's literally that simple. I know that you have this perceived persona in your head that, you, that people think that you're this guy. You're, people think that you're the sarcastic kid. People think that you're the dark standoff guy or girl or whatever. Be you. Be the you that's inside of you that God's created you to be. Quit being that persona. Let the sin go. Change now. Second, I'd say this. Be consistent. You got to be consistent with this. This isn't a thing that you can change in first block and in second block you're still the same guy. You're, you try to stop the, you start to try to stop that awful, like, gossip, meanness, biting humor thing inside of you. And then when you get on your cheer squad, you're the same girl. You can't, you got to be consistent here. So, man, if God is, if God lays some stuff on your heart tonight that is, that is between you and that, that light inside of you that's eclipsing that, if God challenges you to drop some of that stuff, you've got to be consistent. I challenge you to change tomorrow, and I also challenge you to change for good. But, Third, I challenge you to apologize when you slip. There's going to be some times when you're going to mess up, some words are going to come out that you didn't intend to, you're going to do some stuff wrong. And instead of just kind of rolling like it never happened, the people that you, that you transgress, the people that you sin against, people that are witness to that, that see that sin creeping back over your heart again, be honest about that. Say, hey, I'm, uh, the other day I said some stuff, uh, I got really mad and I said some stuff, and I'm, that's not me, I'm really trying to, I'm really trying to be who God, I don't care what you say. I'm trying to be the person God's created me to be. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Just own up to it. Just be honest about the fact that you're not perfect. And people will respect that. Change now. Be consistent. Apologize when you slip. And then it says this. <laughs> so that, so that people may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. 
It says, let our light shine before others so that they'll see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Ultimately, the way we live our lives has two options, students, and only two. The way that you're living your life is going to do one of two things. It's either going to point people toward Christ or it's going to turn people away from Christ. There's only two options. There's no neutral. You can't be neutral in this. If you've accepted Jesus in, in, your, in, in any kind of form or fashion of letting people know that you are a confessing believer in Jesus Christ, if you're letting people know that in any form or fashion, just you being here, just you being here as a testimony saying, hey, for those of you who are consistently involved and you're always a part of it and you like hashtag MCBC grateful or whatever, like if that's you and you're involved here, by you being here, you're telling people that you, you love and believe in Jesus. The way you live your life is either going to point people to Christ or it's going to turn people away. One of the saddest things that ever happened to me here at Mount Zion um, was a time, a, a first time, first time person showed up and uh, um, I got to, to meet them kind of early in the greenhouse and said, hey, and uh, they, we, they, they were in here for the whole time in greenhouse. Um, and then at the end, I said, hey, I, you know, I said, hey, I hope you enjoyed it. Love to have you back, whatever. Um, and they said, I, I, don't, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be back. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Did, did something happen or did you not see anybody that you knew? And they're like, huh, no. Um, Actually, uh, some of the people that, um, that I, I did see that, that seemed to be like involved or whatever, they're some of the, they're some of the worst people I know. <laughs> and um, if that's what this is, a, is about, then I'm, I'm just not interested. And they just politely excused themselves. And that was it. And my heart broke for us. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The antithesis of that is that they'll, <laughs> if your light does not shine before others, they'll see your sin and they will turn away from your Father in heaven. You've got two options, students. You're either going to draw people to Jesus or you're going to turn them away. What's your life doing? 